Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you're doing here at Relevant Church, what you're doing in our hearts, what you're doing in our lives, Lord. Thank you so much that we get to gather and lift up your name and, and worship you, Lord. We pray that our, our singing, our heartfelt singing, uh, touched your heart this morning and that it just prepared us to receive your word, your proclamation. We didn't come to church to hear information. We came to receive transformation. So Holy Spirit, invade us completely take us over that we may lean in and and, and take everything that you have for us this morning. And God, we also lift up all the other great churches that are preaching your gospel. We lift up Life Church of God in Christ. We lift up uh, Vine Life Church. We lift up Crossword Church. We lift up Harvest, Sandals, The Grove, Magnolia Church. Lord, thank you so much for the Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostals, Charismatics, Calvary Chapel, our Catholic brothers and sisters, Seventh-day Adventist brothers and sisters. Thank you that your body, your church is so diverse and that your word is preached in different styles different languages, different flavors, but it is your gospel that changes people's lives. And so we ask that your gospel may reach the lives that need to hear it today. In your name we pray, amen. And everyone says, amen, amen. You know, um, uh, this week I had a a, an incident that took place that that made me kind of got me convicted about my personality and my character. I've got issues especially around Christmas. You don't want to be, I'm like, people might think that I'm a Scrooge because I'm always like tearing down the Christmas spirit. This week, my son and I are are, are going for a walk and and I see these Christmas decorations that my neighbors have up. There's a nativity and then there's Mickey Mouse. And my son is excited about Mickey Mouse. Like, daddy, Mickey, Mickey. And I'm like, no, Mickey wasn't there. Mickey was nowhere on the scene. Like I, and so I'm here in my neighbor's yard trying to move the Mickey Mouse out of the way. Like, you know, people are like, who is this strange man in, in my yard? I'm like, Mickey does not belong here. Put him on the other side. We went to a, um, a family Christmas dinner last night uh, uh, for Pauline's side of the family. And, and, and I'm looking around at the Christmas decorations. And it's beautiful, the lights and everything. And, and you see all these things. You, and it just messes me up whenever I see wise men... In the nativity. I'm here moving the decorations, putting them on the other side of the house. Because this is 18 months after Jesus is born that the wise men show up. 18 months after. They weren't there. That means that they didn't come and see baby Jesus. It was toddler Jesus. I'm here trying to fix things like, no, 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 this is not accurate. This is not biblical. If we're going to celebrate Christmas, let's do it biblical. Amen, somebody? Then you see cows in the nativity. There hasn't been a cow in Israel in 3,000 years. There are no cows in the nativity. It wasn't three wise men. I think, I think we, we only say three wise men because there, there are three gifts. Talking about the gifts, think about it. If this was wise women who showed up, that have showed up on time, <laughs> that have asked for directions, that would have been following stars and whatnot, you know, they would have brought practical gifts like diapers, <laughs> diaper ash cream, and a snot sucker. When you have kids, you'll know what I mean. Practical gifts. They bring gold, frankincense. Who needs
needs gold when you're a baby. Frankincense and myrrh, like, like the kid needs to smell. Come on now. Practical gifts. The songs. Silent night. Holy night. It was not a silent night. Have you ever been in a delivery room? Have you? It's not a silent, it's not a holy night. As a matter of fact, some women are not saying anything holy during that. Just saying, trying to keep it real here. We make Christmas to be ritzy and glamorous. It was not glamorous, it was glorious. There's a difference. It wasn't glamorous, it was glorious. And we think that, uh, that, that everyone was okay with what was happening, that everyone was excited. It's the first Christmas. No. People were confused, confounded. It was crazy for Joseph and his family and, and his wife Mary at the time, or his, his fiance. I mean, I mean, seriously, let's think about it, right? Nativity scenes again. It's always these middle, uh, middle aged folks that are Joseph and Mary, right? They were teenagers. Teenagers. Now, I grew up in an African home, and there's certain things that don't go right in an African home. If you're a 14-year-old girl and you come to your parents and say, I'm pregnant, problems. <laughs> and if you say, but don't worry, it's the Holy Spirit. My African father would have been like, I am going to find Holy Spirit, and I'm going to kick Holy Spirit. Where his sun does not shine. There's just some things that just don't fly. This young woman comes around and says, I'm pregnant, but don't worry, it's the Holy Spirit. No, there is an issue that takes place in that family, in that Jewish community. There's problems. A lot of times we think about the shepherds who came and, and, and the angels who showed up and, and the wise men that showed up dur- during this time of, uh, that we celebrate Christmas. But we, we oftentimes forget about Joseph. What happened to Joseph's life? I, I, mean, I mean, seriously, think about it. All your friends are like, yo, your girl kind of, um, uh, she's beginning to show. What happened? Uh, it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> just doesn't work. God's plan for Joseph and Mary's life completely messed up their life. Completely jacked up their lives. So, so the question becomes, how do you deal, how do you navigate through life when God throws a monkey wrench on your plans? All of us desire to have a nice life. Joseph and Mary are like, we're, we're going to get married and, and we're going to start a carpentry business and, and life is going to be awesome. And then the Holy Spirit shows up with an idea that makes them freak, faint, and fall out. So, so what I want to talk about is three ways to respond when God messes up your life or, or calls you to something bigger. First point, point number one is that I need to learn to respond, not react. I need to learn to respond to what God's doing and not react out of the flesh. Are you with me this morning? I need to learn how to respond. No one ever goes around life saying, I want to be criticized, talked about behind my back. 
and ostracized from everything that's happening in the community because of what God's doing in my life. Said no one never. Amen? Nobody desires that. But this is what happened. This is a Jewish audience that's, 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 that's reading these, these verses, that's hearing the story for the first time. So if you read with me, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says this. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Like this is like the moment where you're like, okay, how did it happen? When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, do I need to explain what that means? Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her fa- and her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her away in shame, resolved to di- divorce her quietly. He was just going to do this quietly, like, you know what? We're just kind of like, you know, we grew apart. I don't know what happened. She went her way, I went my way, and just, you know, just kind of like, you know, on the down low, let her go. But God had a different plan. The, the, the thing about whenever a, a, a person, a woman, has a child out of wedlock, th- there's a word that is, that is used for that child. It's called mamzer. Everyone say mamzer. Mamzer is a Jewish word for bastard. And, and the stigma around it being a mamzer does not last for the first few months or like, you know, when the baby is still a child or the woman is still uh, pregnant. You know, oftentimes people forget the circumstances once they see that cute little face. Mamzer lasts a lifetime. As a matter of fact, in Mark chapter 6, I'll read you some, some verses from Mark. Uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 1. There is an incident when Jesus comes back to Nazareth. Watch this. It says, he went away from there and came to his hometown. His hometown, the place where he grew up. And his, his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? The son of Mary? And the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. Yes, I just ruined your Catholic dream. Jesus had brothers. That means that Mary was never a virgin forever. That was for free. Are not his sisters? He had sisters. Are are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. See, see, in in the Jewish culture, genealogy mattered. A lineage, a pure lineage mattered. As a matter of fact, the way that they referred to people was, uh, like my son Zion, his name would be Zion Ben Jonathan, meaning Zion, son of Jonathan. Now, whenever you find someone called, uh, like, like Jesus, they say son of Mary, that is, that is the worst of the worst of the worst offense. That's saying your mom was scandalous. We don't know who your father is. That's saying a lot about who your mom is. You are a mamzer. Here is Jesus as an adult preaching the gospel, preaching the kingdom of God. Mighty works are being done by his hand. His people who've grown up with him are like, where did he get these things? He's a mamzer. That stigma never leaves him. And so... 
This is the circumstances by which Jesus is, is birthed. Now, now I, I want to go a little bit deeper with that because um, uh, there's this Greek word I want to teach you called kataluma. Everyone say kataluma. Kataluma. Uh, it, it appears in the New Testament three times, two times referring to the events around Jesus' birth. So if you, if you look at Luke real quick, I just want to read some verses from Luke, uh, if you don't mind this morning. Is it okay if we, we go to scripture a little bit? All right, good. We're in church, so it's, it's appropriate. In Luke chapter 2, the verses say this. It says, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all, all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, the governor of Syria, and all who went to be registered, each to his own town. So they had to go back to their hometown. Are you guys with me so far? And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with, his, with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So Joseph... Leaves Galilee and goes back to Bethlehem where his, that's his hometown, his family home is there. And, and, and there he's, he's there to be registered with Mary who has something cooking in the oven. Now watch this. It says, and while they were there, they, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In the inn. Now, when you read the inn, you're thinking Holiday Inn Express. You're, you're thinking Motel 6 and Super 8 and, and Ramada and all these other places. But see, uh, in, other, in other verses uh, in the Bible, it talks about how Jesus wanted um, uh, them to prepare a place in the Cataluma, which is the inn. The inn simply was the guest room that, the, that a family home would have for any guest. Some people come and stay with uh, Pauline and I, and, and we, we, we have this guest room we call Hotel Belima. It's quite often occupied. Our latest tenant just left last night. <laughs> But it, it, it is our kataluma, it is our inn in our home. And so when, when you're reading this in the text, in, in most um, uh, Christmas stories, you have this mental picture of, of Joseph and Mary going around to inn after inn saying, hey, is there any vacancy? No, there's no vacancy. No, that's not what happened. What happened is this, is that Joseph and Mary goes to his, he goes to his family home, his own people his own family, and says, Can, do you have room in, in the Cataluma, in, in, the, in the guest room that belongs to us? And they say, we have no room for a mamzer. No room for the Savior of the world. That was the level of stigma that, that Joseph's own family had come to reject what was happening, even though it was a God plan. No one goes around life saying, when God does something big in my life, I want my family to reject me. I want to be ostracized. I want my child growing up with criticism and gossip around his name. I want the people of the town to recognize him as son of Mary. No one desires that. And the thing about this is this, is that I, my, my wife is Middle Eastern. And I've, I've gotten to learn more about Middle Eastern culture. In the Middle East, 
it is, it is, it is a right thing for you to serve your enemy tea. That's the level of hospitality that is in the culture there. You can be the most rejected, hated person, but they'll still invite you in for tea. And in that culture where hospitality is everything, they reject Jesus as a mamzer. Because he was a mamzer, there was no room. Christmas wasn't glamorous, it was glorious. It wasn't glamorous, it was glorious. And Joseph responded to God. He trusted without understanding what was happening. He had faith in spite of the facts. I hope that makes sense to somebody. He had faith in spite of the facts surrounding everything that was happening. He, he trusted without a full understanding of how God was going to bring this all together. He leaned in and said, you know what? I'm going to respond from a place of faith, respond from a place of trust, even though I don't fully get it, I, f- I fully don't grasp it, I fully don't uh, encapsulate the, the, the concept that God is trying to work out here, I fully don't, don't fully um, uh, comprehend how God is moving, I'm just going to be in a place of trust. And I'm going to move forward with the plan that God has. Y'all with me this morning? Point number two is that I need to put trust, I need to accept God's bigger plan. I need to accept God's bigger plan. The text says this. It says, uh, he considered, verse 20, back to Matthew, chapter 1, verse 20. He says, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. That's the moment where you're just going, huh? Okay. Trust without understanding the facts. Amen? That which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is a concept, an idea, a reality that Joseph does not get at the moment. Nobody understood it, but he accepted God's bigger plan. You know, one thing I've I've learned, I've said this before. When God, get, God lays something on your heart to do, to, to be, for you to be involved in that is bigger than you, he never, ever, ever provides a YouTube tutorial <laughs> on how it's going to work out. He never gives you an infographic saying, well, point A, point B, point C. He doesn't lay out the full plan and the roadmap ahead of you. He just drops it on you and, 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 and allows you to respond in faith. For the moment. And then years later, when it's all come to pass, you can look back and say, I knew that was God then. <laughs> not. <laughs> we trust forward, not understanding what lies in the next steps that, that come. Amen? He accepted God's bigger plan. 
They accepted it with joy. And the reason why I know that they accepted it with joy is this, is, is that in Luke chapter 2, when, when Ma- Mary sings a song, they call it the Magnificat. She says, my soul doth magnify the Lord, for he has chosen me above all women. And she sings this amazing song. And if you look at the song that Mary sings, you'll discover that all she's doing is, is reciting Old Testament scripture. All she's doing is, 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 is rehearsing and, and sharing the word of God that's already on the inside of her heart. See, see what happened in the Jewish, in, in a Jewish, in, in the Jewish society back then is that, uh, from early age, you would go to a, a school called, called the house of the, of, of the book. And there you are taught to memorize Genesis all the way to Deuteronomy. The first five books of, of, of Moses, you would memorize them. And now you're sitting here looking at me saying, I could never memorize five books of the Bible. Yes, you can. The reason why I know you can is because you have little Wayne memorized. I can bring up Ursel over here and say, Ursel, I want you to sing the entire first album of Justin Bieber. And Ursel would be... We get all kinds of stuff on the inside of us and we memorize this stuff. If I said, can I get a what, what? Y'all be like, yeah. But like you'd be like reciting everything. Because you've allowed that to be hidden in your heart. And so here's what happens is that when life happens to you, instead of you going to what's the, the word being hidden in your heart, you go to the world because the world's hidden in your heart. Jay-Z's all up in you. And that's how you respond when God's doing something big in your life. You're like, oh, this, this, can I get a what, what? (laughs) Mary had the word of God hidden in her heart. And so when life, when God put something that was bigger and, 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 and larger than her life, all she could say was, my soul doth magnify the Lord. For he has chosen me. He has called me. See, see, the thing is this is that when, when you have God's word hidden in your heart, you start seeing, at, seeing life's events through the lens of scripture. Through the lens of scripture. You start seeing things like, oh wait, this makes sense because he delivered Daniel. If he delivered Daniel, he can deliver me. You start looking at all these things that happen in your life and you, you can go and have a reference point, a reference point to faith. That can fuel you for the journey. See, the thing is that if you don't have scripture in your heart, you won't be able to interpret life in light of scripture. You'll interpret life in light of Lindsay Lohan. You'll interpret life in light of Ellen DeGeneres. And everything else that you put on the inside of you. I want to challenge you in 2017 to hide the word of God in your heart. To hide the word of God in your heart. It's not that hard. It's, 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 a, it's a practical practice of simply just saying, I'm going to take one verse and I'm going to write it down. I'm going to carry that card with me in the entire day and I'm just going to meditate on it. All of a sudden, those words become part of your life, part of your breath. And when life happens, you can say all things work together for the good. You can say greater is he that is in me 
than he that is in the world. Talking about your boss. When your wife gets upside, you know, when your wife kind of, okay, not your wife, your husband. (laughs) When life kind of gets messy, you'll be reminded I am the head, not the tail. Amen? Get God's word in your heart. Point number three is that when, when, when life, when God messes up your life, changes things around, you need to be in a place where you take immediate action. Immediate action. Amen? Watch what happens. When Joseph woke up from the dream, from, the, from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. But knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. When, when he woke up from his sleep, he took his wife. When you have a difficult task at hand, do you wake up that day and say, This is the day that the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and take joy in it. Or is it more like the day that you pretty much try to figure out if you're sick that day or not? going around to everyone in the house. Oh, can you touch my head? Do you, do you, do you sense a fever? Maybe I should call in today. I feel, I feel a little hot. <coughs> Changing your voice. Oh, hello. <clears throat> practicing. Practicing calling in. <clears throat> yeah, I woke up like there's a frog in my head. As soon as you hang up, girl... I'm staying home today. <laughs> well, when you've got a difficult thing, it could be a test. It could be the day that you have to make a difficult decision. Do you get up and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Joseph woke up from his sleep after that huge task is placed on him. And he immediately takes action. It says he took his wife. I don't know how they did it those days. I don't know if he got up, went to Mary's house. Mary, we're going to the courthouse. Okay, what's going on, Joseph? We're getting married today. The angel said it. He knew it was going to be difficult. He knew it was going to be hard. He knew that he was going to go around as that guy who married the woman who had relations with who knows who? Holy Spirit. He knew that it was going to be completely hard on his family. But he took action. He trusted forward, amen? Knowing that it was going to be difficult, knowing that it was going to be hard. Here's what I want to say to you. And this is something that in this culture we reject. I want you to embrace hard things in 2017. Embrace the difficult. Embrace the complex. Knowing that that, that, that God, if God's bringing you to it, he's going to take you through it. But you have to embrace the difficult things. You know what, can I say this? God never said that your marriage is going to be easy. But maybe he wants you just to stay in it. as, As difficult as it is, as difficult as he is or she is, and walk through it. Knowing that even though it's difficult, his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. And he'll work in your life. <laughs> oh man, I was I was at the post office the other day. 
And uh, there was one person, one person, one postal worker. One. And there was like 25 people in line. And in those moments, praise God for Facebook and Instagram. I was like, you know what? I'll just start scrolling. This will be all right. I'm not going to complain. The person behind me did not have a smartphone. They had a dumb phone. And they went on to cussing. And then sure enough, this is what happened. A police officer walks in and stands at the back of the line. And the postal worker, who doesn't care how many people are in line, taking his time, chatting it up with people, looks at the back of the line and says, Officer, are you on duty? Officer says, yes. He says, come on to the front. The lady blew a gasket. I thought to myself, as a pastor, the Lord is teaching her patience. I don't know why I told you that story, but... Somebody need to hear it. This is that when, when, when life's happening, you, you, you get to see things from a different perspective, from a different viewpoint. And you don't allow the circumstances around you to dictate the peace that's on the inside of you. I believe what helped Joseph, what helped Joseph embrace his new reality was a sense of identity. Watch, watch what happens. When the angel speaks to him in verse 20, it says, he says this in the dream, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 16, uh, in the genealogy that you skipped over while you were trying to read this book, it says this, it says, and, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ, Joseph's father's name was Jacob. But the angel appears to him in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, which speaks of a greater identity, a greater purpose. What he's saying to him is, listen, you are the family. You are the father who's going to steward through the, 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 the family through which Christ is going to be birthed. You are Joseph, son of David. Don't fear. What helped Joseph wasn't his ability to face the challenge. It was a recognition of his identity in the challenge. It was a sense of his identity in the challenge. I am the son of David. I don't think anybody in his life ever called him that. Up until that moment. The reason why I'm saying this to you is that you're going to face challenges. But in those challenges, don't look at your mommy, don't look at your daddy, don't look at your family tree. Look at the fact that you are a child of God. That you are a part of this, this family of God. That you've been adopted, you've been grafted in. And because Jesus is now your older brother, you can call daddy God, Abba, as your own. And with that sense of identity, you can face the challenges from a perspective of, it's not my ability, 
It's all about my daddy. It's not about my education. It's all about the king of kings and the lord of lords. It's not about, uh, about what they say I am. I know, I know who I am. I am a child of God. And that's all that matters. Amen? You can look at those difficulties and, and, and understand that because God has called you, he has chosen you, he has anointed you, you are the head and not the tail. You are his, his firstborn in creation. He has chosen you, he's called you to carry the name of Jesus the same way that he called Joseph to carry this family. How do we respond? We respond to God's bigger plan by being responsive, not reactive. We respond by getting a sense that God's plan is bigger and better. We respond by taking immediate action, not based on our own strength and abilities, but based on the identity of being a child of God. Amen? Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we get to look at your word and find hope, find a sense of purpose, a sense of identity, and have an understanding that you have given us the same task that you gave Mary and Joseph. Physically, Mary had to carry Jesus, but we get to spiritually carry him into the world around us. And carrying Jesus in the world around us is going to come with confusion, complexity, criticism. But we'll respond to you. We'll get a sense of your bigger plan and we'll take immediate action. We'll we'll hide your word in our heart so we can get a sense and and, and a filter and a lens of, of scripture as it relates to our life. And we'll lean on the identity you've given us through your spirit that allows us to call you Abba, Daddy, Father. To carry us through those challenges. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Did you guys get something good out of God's word this morning? Amen. Come on. God is good. God is good.